Good morning, everyone. Today's feast is called the Epiphany. And as all good things, Epiphany is a Greek word, uh, and it means to reveal. Don't laugh at me. <laughs> it means to reveal. And it comes from the, the word phanaroo, which literally means to reveal something. And we'll get to that. So this past week, I was with my brother priests, the Companions of Christ, and that's my community, and if you don't know about that, you'll get to know it with time. Um, it's a very odd thing. We had uh, 10 priests this week up in Breckenridge together, just on vacation. I always laugh. Every year when I go on vacation, people don't think priests can take vacation. So whenever I say I was on vacation, they say, how was your retreat? And I'm like, <laughs> I usually just don't want to get into it. So I'm like, it was great. Thank you. You know, but it really was vacation. So Every year on, when the companions go on vacation, there's a problem we have every year. And the problem is, how do you make a group of very diverse people, how do you bring them together to do something together? And let me explain this. So the companions, we're just an odd group of priests. We really are. So <clears throat> some of us, like me, I like to go to bed at a reasonable hour. I like to get up at a reasonable hour. Um, I don't like staying in one place. I want to get out and do things. Uh, others are the opposite of that. We have a couple guys in the brotherhood that they like to stay up late. They like to sleep in. And they don't like to leave the house they're in. And then you lock us together for a week in the mountains. And they're like, you know, good luck. How do we make this work? And we try, every year we try various things. So this year, you know, uh, we tried, you know, we watched a movie together. We, I proposed we went to the rec center in Breckenridge and uh, we played basketball. And the most maddening thing on earth, can I just say this? When someone who doesn't know how to play basketball actually makes baskets in basketball, <laughs> there is nothing more maddening on earth than that, okay? You, know, you can go look at the companion's webpage and decide who that was. But we fight about this, and then every year, every night, Father Matt Book, the pastor at Light of the World, he loves board games, loves them. And he loves board games that take six days to finish, <laughs> right? He's like, if you could take risk and multiply that by 10, that's Father Matt Book. So he has this board game called Ticket to Ride, and I refuse to play it. I am not a board game person. I'm, I don't know if you all know this about me. I am so stubborn. I'm really not a nice person. I'm just not. And every year, the rest of the guys, they're all like, okay, I'll play. Let's play board games. And I'm like, you know, I think I'll just go stare out the window for a couple hours. You guys have fun. And there's always this question of how do you take guys who all enjoy different things, and how do you get them to enjoy doing something together? And every year, we try to do that. Father Brady succeeded for the first time this year. So Father Brady, our last night in the mountains, he came up with an Olympics. Right, this is what celibates do. We're like, well, there's no women, so how are we going to have fun? And they're like, Father Brady's like, let's do an Olympics. So we had teams. And we had all these like, kind of random games. And we had this competition. And like one of them, the first one was taking a bunch of like Soho cups. And you had to like unstack one and put it on the bottom and then go the other way. And I didn't do too well at that one. But then we had one later on the road that was like you take ping pong balls. 
They had to bounce them into glasses for time. And I was like, here we go. This one's mine. And it was just a blast. And we all were able to come together, right? And one of the ways that we came together was we all had a common enemy. His name is Father Nathan Goebel. <laughs> and the reason we have a common enemy is because the only thing worse than uh, having Father Nathan Goebel lose a game is having him win a game. And so we, it was unspoken, but we all had this common enemy. And thank God he lost. <laughs> Love you, Lord. Appreciate that one. Okay, so what does this have to do with Epiphany? Brothers and sisters, here's the question. How did different people find unity? How do people who think differently, who love different things, who don't see life the same way, how do we come together and actually find meaning together? That's one of the most important questions today in our world. If you haven't noticed this, in our society, we have basically given up on that question. Right? We don't believe anymore that we can all come together. Fifty years ago in the United States, men and women believed in something called the common good that there were things bigger than all of us and that all of us could come together because they were good for all of us. And we believed that my personal good wasn't as important as the common good. So my disdain for board games isn't as important as the unity of the brotherhood. I'll never admit that to the companions, but they don't listen to my sermon, so I can say it here. That's more important. But today we don't believe that. We all know that, right? Today, because we don't know how to have unity, what we've boiled things down and broken them down to is the absolute lowest common denominator, which is basically you can do anything you want to do as long as you don't cause me physical harm. You can do anything you want to do as long as you don't cause me physical harm. Brothers and sisters, today's gospel is good news. Today's gospel is all about the belief that there is something big enough for all of us. For every human being, for every man, woman, and child that has ever lived. That there's, there is a truth, there is a beauty, there is a goodness that should bring all of us together. Now I hope you've heard this in our readings. Our readings today are all about this. Today, epiphany, the revelation. What the revelation is, is that the gospel, the salvation that Christ brings into the world was not just for Jews. That's what today's feast day is about. In the Old Testament, right, the covenant that God had was only if you were Jewish. But all throughout the Old Testament, God says there's going to be a day. There's a day that's coming when I will bring my salvation to everyone everyone. And that was our first reading from Isaiah 60. <coughs> darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples, right? The nations, the world. But the Lord God will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. All nations shall walk by your light and kings in the brightness of your rising. 
And it goes on from there. All nations, everyone. And isn't that good news? There's a truth that's big enough for all of us. If you don't feel the pain of disunity, brothers and sisters, you're not paying attention. Fragmentation destroys all of us. When we are not united, we are very, very weak. So the Old Testament, God promises that. He says, there's going to be a day when everyone will be a part of the covenant. In our second reading from Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 3 today, if I can turn there. There we go. In Ephesians 3, St. Paul says this. He says, you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was made known to be my re- by revelation, which is epiphany. As I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive, whoops, which was not made known to the other men, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, how the Gentiles are fellow heirs and members of the same body. The Gentiles, right? That's the Hebrew word, goyim, for all the nations, non-Jews. How amazing is that? Brothers and sisters, there is a salvation, there is a goodness, there is a person that's big enough for all of us. We live in this unbelievably individualistic, fragmented world. You and I don't know what it means anymore to have unity. We don't miss it because we've never seen it. It's a little bit like a choir. Matt Rudolph has an amazing voice, and he's a great musician. But if he plays by himself, something's missing. When When the group together comes together in all of us, don't you love it when you come to Mass and everyone sings? I've told you before, the the 11 a.m. Mass, like incense in the altar, is like the moment when I'm like, I am the luckiest man on earth. When all of us come together in unity to sing, there is an unbelievable power to that. And today's feast is saying that's what happened in Jesus. In Jesus, no longer are there Greeks and Jews and Canadians and Scandahoovians and Germans. There is something for everyone. There's something that's universal. And the early church, the early Christians, when they were reflecting on today's mystery, and they said there's something for everyone, the word they used was Catholic. Because Catholic means universal in Greek. That's what today's mystery is about. What an awesome mystery. So brothers and sisters, I want to propose to you three concrete kind of ideas for your life that should help us to really have that hope in a fragmented world that we live in today where everyone's fighting against everyone else, that you and I could be a source of unity, that we could invite people to the one truth that is above me, it's above everyone. Right? My, my Catholic faith does not belong to me. It belongs to him. And it's big enough for everyone. So, three concrete proposals. The first one that I want to point out is that the, the first thing Catholics see in the world, 
right, is that, and actually, let me go back. Let me propose it this way. I've been listening to a lot of atheists recently. And one of their biggest critiques of religion, right, Sam Harris says this, Richard Dawkins says this, all these atheists, one of the things they say is they say, religious people believe that only they are going to heaven. And that if you're a member of another religion, or if you're not a part of their little group, that everyone else goes to H-E double hockey sticks. And they use this all the time, and they say, how could anyone believe in a good God who is loving and merciful and sends everyone on planet Earth to eternal damnation except their little group? Aren't you so happy the Catholic Church does not teach that? The Catholic Church has never taught that. There's a tension. We believe there's good news for people that they need to come to Christ. But we don't say that everyone else is thereby straight off to to eternal damnation. Today in the gospel, the, the magi who come from another nation, they are not Jews. They are not Christians. And Mary and Joseph don't say to them, you know what, you have not changed your life yet and become a Jew, so here's the front door. There is a truth in Jesus Christ that's big enough for everyone. And Catholics, brothers and sisters, the church has always done this, always, throughout our 2,000-year history. The church, wherever she sees something good, she acknowledges it. And so the first thing, if you're going to be someone who has a hope that there's a unity for the whole world, is when you meet non-Catholics, brothers and sisters, the first thing we see is not what's wrong. We see what's good. We see what's true in them. You don't meet someone. When I was a focused missionary, except for the times that I screwed this up, which I did, actually, I had a dream last night that I was in an interview for Focus, and they didn't hire me. I was like, ah! <laughs> which probably would happen today. But when I was a missionary, you know when you're meeting a college student, you don't walk up to them and say, have you heard the good news of Jesus Christ? He commands you to stop sleeping with your girlfriend. No, you don't say that. You see the good in their life. You say, wow, this person's really striving after something. There's a lot of good in this person. And they're looking for God, and I see God in them. And you invite them to go deeper. That's the first principle. You and I see the good in others. The second one, the second, can you tell I'm trying to remember my second point? I remember. The second point is that today's gospel and the mystery of today is about good news. In the modern world today in America, when we think of the gospel, right, gospel means good news, literally in Greek. But I think what most of the world thinks Christianity is, is not good news, but good advice. Now, if you really want to start a conversation off the wrong way, walk up to someone and say, hey, can I give you a piece of advice? How many, none of us love hearing that. My very first homily as a priest, very first one at Immaculate Heart of Mary, I walked out and this guy literally grabbed me and he said, That was a horrible homily, and you obviously don't know how to preach. I mean, true story. He said, but you know what? I would be willing to meet with you on a weekly basis 
to help you kind of figure out how to preach. And I was like, Lord, take vengeance on my enemies. <laughs> no, it freaked me out. I didn't know what to do. I was so caught off guard. I was like, am I a bad preacher? Like, I thought I was going to be a good preacher. I worked so hard on this. Like, I was devastated. People think that's what the church is. Why would I go to Mass on Sunday if the priest is going to get up there and tell me all the wrong things I do with my life? Brothers and sisters, Christianity does not start with advice. It starts with the news. It does not start with advice. It starts with the news. If you want to drive someone away from Jesus Christ, start with moral advice. Parents, if you want to drive your children from the Catholic Church, just keep talking to them about how they should live their moral lives. I promise you, you will drive them from the faith. If you want to bring people to Jesus... You tell them about what happened. Christianity is not good advice. It's good news. It's news that someone loved you, that God entered the world, and he died on a cross and rose to answer the question that is every human life. That's epiphany. That our faith is not about a moralism. It's about something that happened. It's about a light that shined in the darkness. And we've lost that as a Catholic church. Our reputation, brothers and sisters, is that Catholicism is just moralism. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe all, those, all the moral teachings of the church. And the problem with some churches is they stop with just the good news. Jesus gives commandments on almost every page of the New Testament. It's just not where you start. You start with the more important news that he loved you, that he died and rose for you. That's Christianity. So we see the good in other people. We know that Christianity is not just a moral life. It's good news. It's an event. It's God breaking into the world. It's big enough for everyone. And the third is I want to encourage you today. You have to be a seeker. The Magi in today's gospel, brothers and sisters, are seeking something. The world around us today is seeking. It's looking for an answer. It's looking for the meaning of the world, the meaning of life. You can't give someone an answer to a question they don't have. Or hear that again. You cannot give an answer to a question that someone doesn't have. You can't do that. And so you and I, if we're really going to be people who have that hope that there's a truth big enough for all peoples, if we're going to help people to see the beauty of the Catholic faith, that Jesus came for everyone of all time to save the world, you and I have to be seekers. We can't be complacent. We can't pretend that we have every answer, that we know everything. We have to seek. Only seekers find joy. And I want to close today with our gospel in Matthew 2. When the Magi come and they find Jesus, the Greek, it just explodes here. But it says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy.
they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. You can't have that kind of joy unless you've been looking for it. Right? And a delicious meal never tastes as good as when you're hungry. You have to be a seeker. Brothers and sisters, have you given up seeking? Have you, what, what we do when we stop seeking is we satisfy ourselves with lesser things. We fill ourselves up with entertainment, you know, and food and drink and sex and money and all these things because it's too hard to seek. Only those who seek find joy. And when we become Catholic, when we really believe in Jesus, we don't stop seeking. We seek all the more. Jesus, I have that taste of you, and now I want more. I want to go deeper. I want to find more of you. So those three things. We see the good in other people. Catholics do not look for others' faults. They look for the good. We believe the gospel is not good advice. It's good news. And you and I are seekers our whole life. We're not complacent. We don't know everything, and we're not. We have not yet arrived. We seek after Christ. Jesus, thank you for the good news of your coming into this world to bring joy to all nations, to bring the Catholic unity to the whole human race. Jesus, we love you. Give us the courage to seek you. Lord, and with the Magi, someday, Lord, may we rejoice with an exceedingly great joy. At this time, I'd like to invite forward